God is a good God. God is a faithful God. God is a keeper. And as the elder was talking about the goodness of God, I think about my own life. Before I left Maryland, my, my friend, she's like my pa- she's a she's my pastor's wife, and she said to me, she said, Simone, when you go, I pray you preach about a God that you know. So I'm preaching to you about a God that I know. Not a God somebody told me about, but a God that I know. And while I'm excited to be here and thankful for the opportunity to share, there's no goodness of my own, but it's the mercies of God. We woke up into the new mercies of God this morning. I woke up into the new mercies of God this morning. And I give him glory and I give him praise. I don't know what you call them, but in the Bible it gives a lot of names. It says Jesus, the root and the offspring of David. It says he's our bright and morning star. The ancient of days. He's been here. And he'll be here long after we're gone. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is a good God. He's our shepherd and we shall not want. He's our chief cornerstone, the captain and the founder of our salvation. He's a door. He's Emmanuel. God is with us. God is here. God is with us. God is with us in the name of Jesus. This, all this week, I just kind of had been a little nervous. You know, this is home for me. I know it says guest speaker, but this is home for me. I sat on this ministry for six good years and it taught me so much. And my big sister Felicia said, women of all ages help groom the woman that I was, the woman that I am, the woman that I'm becoming. And so get plugged in because at a church it's like you see a lot of people. But when you start getting into the small numbers, you get to really know people and get to really connect with people. And, and people can really pick you up and know what you're going through, even when we come and we look like we got it all together. I wanted to put on a nice dress, but I said, Lord, this ain't really comfortable for me. But nonetheless, the Lord is kind. And so this week, Friday, I went and took a walk, and I was like, Lord, I don't really have anything. And what I heard was Matthew eleven twenty nine. And it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And so it calmed me down that, Simone, I got this. Everything that you need, I've already given it into you. Now, you feel comfortable with notes, but I already gave it to you. And so take of God's yoke and learn from him. One version says, let me teach you. May we be teachable of the Holy Spirit. There's only one agenda I have today, and that's Holy Spirit get 100% control of what I'm about to say. 100% this is yielded to the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Being a part of the small group, I remember that Miss Felicia had a guest minister. She had a book. Her name is Sabrina Williams. And she came and she taught a powerful word that night. And then I saw her following her on social media. And then I realized that her mom um, was a minister and she was doing deliverance. And I said, I need to be delivered. So I got connected to her mother. Her name is Mother Evangelist Rita Bowman. 
And this is what mother taught me. She taught me a lot of things. This is what she said. She said, the reason why they call it a pulpit is because you're supposed to give the word and the word will pull people up out their pit. So today I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. But I'm going to give you the word and it's going to go out and it's going to reach why I sent it. I'm going to teach and speak a lot of word because when we send it out, God's going to do what he's going to do. I have a couple of verses that I'm going to speak about predominantly, but there's a lot of scripture that he gave me. So I'm going to send it out and it's going to do what it's going to do. And sometimes you don't know which part of the word that you need until it hits your belly and something will cause something to stir up on the inside of you. Hallelujah in Jesus name. One of my favorite scriptures is, is becoming one of my favorite scriptures. And this is what I say when I get up to speak because I get nervous. <laughs> 80, Psalms 81.10 says, I am the Lord thy God who brought you out of Egypt. And I know he done took me out of Egypt. The Egypt I put myself in, the Egypt that people put me in, he has brought me out of Egypt. But the last part of this verse says, open your mouth and I will fill it. So when you get nervous or you unsure and you don't know what to say, pray, Father, open my mouth and fill it. When I open my mouth, may you fill it with your words in the name of Jesus. And so I got scripture. I don't know if I'm going to teach. I don't know if I'm going to prophesy, but I know I'm going to do something that the Holy Spirit has me to do. And so the first thing that he gave me yesterday, because it wasn't until yesterday morning, about 7.29, when I started typing on my computer in the bed what the Lord had gave me. He had already gave me the message, but to put the meat on the bones, as people would say. So I have come today. I heard the word circadian rhythm, and I knew it had something to do with sleep. So I looked it up. It showed 24-hour cycle. And this is what the Lord told me. I've come to reset your circadian rhythm. Anywhere there is spiritual jet lag, like we in Eastern Standard Time right now, but if you was to go to L.A. when we leave here, you're three hours behind. So some of us may be behind right now in the spirit, but Holy Ghost has come to reset your time and reset you back to where you need to be in the name of Jesus. I wrote it down. Anything that's causing your natural biological clock to be delayed, to be damaged, to be ruined due to spiritual jet lag, sleep disorders, obesity, mental health orders, or other health problems, I have come with the sword of the, war, of the word today to cut you out and cut you through. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Exodus 6 and 6 says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage and will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Ephesians 5, 14 through 20 says, Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. God is redeeming your time. The time you thought you lost, the time you thought you wasted, God is redeeming our time. And I always tell people, when I give a word, it ain't for you, it's for us. I am subject to this word, too. 
A lot of people who preach the word feel like they're exempt from the word, but we're not. Okay? So it's for us. It's for all of us. 17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein in excess, but be filled with this Holy Spirit. When we have problems, we don't have to pick up whatever your favorite drink may be, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourself, he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 4, 9, 11 says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest house him, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from, from, the, from his. In Jeremiah 23, 29, I think Joshua kind of referenced that. Is not my word like as a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. Doesn't matter how hard your situation is, keep taking that word and knocking against the rock. Keep taking the word and knocking against the rock. My greatest accolade is learning how to read and read the word of God because there's a lot of people who don't even know how to read. So when you ask them to read the Bible, it's hard for them because they didn't master reading. So we got to be able to read and understand. There's so many versions now. You can listen to it. But I would encourage you, please, the Bible ain't just an app. The Bible ain't something you carry on your phone. The Bible is the word of God. John 1 and 1 says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the and the was with God and the word was God. So when you pick up this Bible, you're picking up God. When you pick up this Bible, you're picking up what you need. When you pick up this Bible, you're picking up Holy Spirit. It ain't just a book. It ain't just an app. And I would encourage you guys, I love the Bible apps and too, but my Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He know all things. And so I don't depend on an app with a Bible plan to tell me what I should read every day. Now, I think it's good if that's where you are, but Holy Spirit should tell you something sometime. Baby, I need you to turn to this scripture. Baby, I need you to get your word out. Son, I need you to read this. I can't rely on a Bible app to tell me what I should be reading, what God should be saying to me. Because Hebrews 11 and 3 says this, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Frame your word by the word of God. What you want to see, get you some scripture and frame your world. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And Isaiah 55, 1 through 13 says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And as worship was going on, as prayer was going on, I felt like I know I'm in the right house. We got some thirsty people who really want God. We got people who really want to live for real. We got people who really want to bring our members under subjection to God. It says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. 
See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And what I've heard, what I've learned over time is that if you hear something that someone is saying that you want to apply to your life, you just say amen. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And the nations you don't know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. We are endowed with the splendor of God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. There's a scripture, and I always tell people, I don't know all the scripture. I know enough to keep me saved. I like to write it down so I can get it right because sometimes I can mess it up. It ain't on purpose, but my God. But it's a scripture that says, come close to God and he'll come close to you. You double-minded. Seven says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, but he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And 10 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Felicia, remind me to tell you a story about my drive down. There was a lot of storms I had to go through driving yesterday. And at one point, I got really, really scared. And I just started praying Psalms 91. Those who live in the, sh in the, sh in the shelter, in the secret, let me, let me turn to it because I feel like I might mess this one up. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I know I didn't say dwell in the secret place yesterday because I was kind of a little way, but the Lord knew what I was saying. And then I kept going and said, a thousand may fall to my left and ten thousand to my right, but none will touch this dwelling. I will get to Charlotte safe and this storm won't do nothing to me in the name of Jesus. And I thought about it when it says rain and the snow come from the treasures of heaven. So, Father, whatever you're doing, keep protecting me in the storm. And what I've seen is people stop. And I realize if I stop in the storm, that I'm not going to have to stay in it longer than I need to be. So what I want to tell some of you, you make me in a storm today. But keep on going because you'll end up staying longer than you need to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to just tell you the story now. So. As I got out of one storm, last about 20, 25 minutes, I got out of one storm and the, storm, the, the sun started shining again. I put my windows down and I was breezing through. That's what happens when you keep going out the storm. It is sunshine on the other side. There is safe passage on the other side. And after I got out of that storm, there was another one that came and then another one that came. And I remember maybe like a couple of years ago, I, was, I drove from Maryland to, to Atlanta. I'll never do that again. But it was like probably like one in the morning, and it was this really, really bad storm in South Carolina. And when I finally got there, you know, everything was safe. And later on, what I found out, it was a tornado had came through. And I was driving on through because I didn't know. I come to tell you the storms that you don't even know about, God is still protecting you. The storms you don't even see coming, he is still protecting you. Hallelujah. And so 10 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater. 11 says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. There's another version here that says, so will, this is the message verse, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave you. The assignment that God has given me today will be completed by me speaking the word of the Lord. The assignments that you need to complete in your life will be completed speaking the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So yesterday morning he told me, he says, Seminary, you have come for the children today. And because I'm in education, I say, yes, Lord. And so not only just the children, the youth, but God's children, God's people. He has come for us today. Nahum 1 and 9 says, what do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. And so whatever you're going through, any time you come in a, in a storm or affliction, you declare Nahum 1 and 9, this won't come to me a second time. Sickness showing up, this won't come to me a second time. Health problems, this won't come to me a second time. Family problems, this won't come to me a second time. In the name of Jesus. Other versions say affliction won't come a second time. Oppression won't come a second time. Distress won't come a second time. Double affliction, trouble, adversity, or destruction will not come to you a second time in Jesus' name. And all the week as I was preparing, I was kind of like, you know, feeling some kind of way. I was telling Felicia, you know, I'm laughing, but I really want to cry. <laughs> I'm smiling, but I really want to just break down and cry. And when Elda was menacing, that's how I said, listen, I ain't even going to try to hold these tears back because I'm grateful. First Peter 5, 1 through 8, this is the message verse. He says, I have a special concern for you church leaders. And again, I'm talking to us, because where I am, I'm a leader in the church. He says, I have a special concern for you church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader in on crisis suffering as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern, that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd. And I highlight this is not because you have to, but because you want to please God. Being a leader, and I'm what I would consider a micro leader, <laughs> a little leader. It's not for the faint of heart. And people don't do it because they really want to. Now, some people do it for all kinds of reasons. But the ones who really want to do it, they do it because they want to please God. They do it because they want to be in right standing with God. It says not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously, not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he'll see that you've done it right and commend you lavishly. And you who are younger must follow your leaders, but all of you leaders and followers are like. It says are to be down to earth with each other. For God has headed with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. The Bible says live carefree before God. He is, the mo he is most careful with you. You got to tell yourself every day, God is careful for me. God is careful about me. God pays attention and have details about me. 
keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. He said, so keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. And yesterday when I was laying on my bed, it made me happy that, Father, you're going to put me together and put me on my feet for good. There's a scripture, and I don't want to get it in my head of myself, but I want to give it to you guys now. There's a scripture that talks about the anointing of David. And then there is a version of it. Hopefully I can find it right now. But there's a version that says that God anointed will anoint you for the rest of your life. I ain't talking about for a little bit of time. I ain't talking about this season. But he says, I'll anoint you for the rest of your life in the name of Jesus. And so where we may have struggled and been broken and hurt, I'm going to anoint you for the rest of your life. There's a difference between somebody who want to do something and somebody that carries the anointing. There's a total difference. I wrote this down this morning at 632. My brother called me at 5 o'clock this morning. I don't even know why he called me. I was so upset. And my phone is usually all. And I was like, why is he calling me? And my oldest brother, so let me be that clear because I got several. So my oldest brother, Christopher, called me. And so I laid in the bed like, oh, my gosh. And I hear the Holy Spirit says, go to your car. I'm like, I don't want to go to my car. So I was thinking like somebody bust my windows or something. So I was like, angels, go to my car for me. And so I finally got up. And then I called him back. He didn't answer. And then I realized he wanted me to go to my car because last night I went to the store and I bought me a safety pin, right? And I had left the safety pins in the car. And I felt like God just used my brother to just ring my, maybe he, maybe he got me on accident, I don't know. But Holy Spirit will talk to you in regular, he talks to me in regular plain ways that I can understand. And I know how to Google something and then put scripture behind it and then I get the verse. So I use all my teacher skills to find stuff. But this is what he said after I came from outside. He says, broken people use their platforms and pulpits to preach on people. Broken people use their platforms and their pulpits to preach on people. When you see leaders doing that, pray for them. Pray for their brokenness. Pray for their soul. Pray for their hurt. Pray for their rejection. Pray for their, their, their abandonment. Pray for them. 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11 says, But the God of all grace, grace means a force, joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, merciful kindness of God, who have called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. It says, after that you have suffered a while. <laughs> I have suffered a while. I think it's a lot, but you know, he said a little while. I have suffered a while. Make you perfect. Make you established. He will strengthen you and he will settle you. To him be glory. To him be dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So that was the introduction. <laughs> so here is really what I had when I first said yes to this because I had already been studying this word for myself and 
Guys, please don't just study the word because you're going to teach it to somebody. Study the word because you're going to live by it. Study the word because you want to get it in your own system. I wasn't studying this because I thought I would be here today. There was a video I sent. I don't know if they can bring it up, but I remember it was in 2020, right when the pandemic happened. It was in May. And I went where I stayed in College Park at the time. I stayed by Ikea. And so nobody was outside, you know, everybody was masked up. So I would go out there every day and walk around. And one day I kneeled on the concrete. And the Lord said to me, I'm the God that meets you in your heart places. I am the God that meets you in your heart places. Now, in 2020, my life was not hard. I know a lot of people died and, you know, COVID was going, but my life was not hard in 2020. And so I didn't really understand what he meant when he said that. But I said, yes, Lord, because you know, I've been through a little bit of stuff. But when 2020 came and 2023 came, I understood that God was with me in my hard places. And God is with you in your hard places. Genesis 28, the Amplified Version. I'm going to read just 10 through 17 for the sake of time. And sometimes I always say just read the whole Bible because the whole scripture, you don't know what people are going through. But for this, I will just read a little bit and kind of give you some cliff notes of what happened if you're not sure. And one thing I'm understanding is never assume that people know certain Bible scriptures. Never assume that because you're in a church that everybody know who Adam and Eve was or who Jacob was and who Peter was and who Saul was. Everybody don't know. And what happens is we'll sit and we'll preach and teach the people and we'll get mad because they don't live it out and not realize they don't understand. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. So if they don't know and we're not teaching it, then they don't get it. And being a teacher, I can be in, I can be in a classroom and I can teach my lesson. And I think it's a wonderful lesson, right? Most teachers think they got good lessons, right? <laughs> and boring teachers is an epidemic. Hallelujah. Right? Boring teachers is an epidemic. Okay? Um... And so I can teach the whole lesson. You get a couple that get it, and somebody else may get some confusion. Then you have some that totally, when they come ask you a question, you're like, was you in this classroom? <laughs> did, did you hear what I just said? And then you know how some people say, she just said that. And I'm like, oh, well, I ain't hear her, right? So it's like that in church. Like, we cannot assume that everybody gets it. And so when they come ask questions, we can't look at them like, you should know. Because maybe they don't know. Hallelujah. Let me get to this. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. This is the Amplified Version. It says, Now Jacob left Beersheba never to see his mother again and traveled toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed overnight there because the sun had set. Now I'll put a pen here. I guess Jacob was a person who don't like to drive at night, right? I like to travel at night. So I guess Jacob said, When the sun come down, I need to rest for the night. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down there to sleep. It says he dreamed that there was a ladder, a stairway placed on the earth, and the top of it reached out of sight toward heaven, and he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on it, going to and from heaven. And behold, the Lord stood above and around him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father's fathers, and the God of Isaac. I will give to you and to your descendants the land of promise on which you are lying. Your descendants shall be as countless as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the families, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you and your descendants. 
Let me keep reading, but this is what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Now, I shared with you about sometimes people don't always get the word. What he's telling me is that's why you need to be in Bible study, okay? And I'm not saying Bible study with the church on Thursday nights. I'm talking about opening your Bible and reading it for yourself. So if it's something that they don't say or say that you don't get, read your own Bible. Ask people questions. Find devotionals. Google it. But then we can't stone the people up here giving you the word that maybe you don't understand. This has to be a every man, every woman for itself, really. The Bible says work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And I always say divide the truth that you're going to live by. Divide the truth that you're going to live by. Divide the truth that you're going to live yourself. Not something that you just tell people about. Don't be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. But let's get back to 16. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, without any doubt, the Lord is in this place. And I did not realize it. So he was afraid and said, how fearful and awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. And so I'm going to read the rest of it really quick. I don't like when people say really quick. I don't want to rush the word of God, but I know I'm on timetable. <laughs> and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of that city was Luz at the, at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, and if God will keep me in this way that I go, and if God will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. It's a difference between our mothers and fathers telling us about their God. But it's something when you realize he's my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And so my message, my bullet point, all of that <laughs> is this. That God will turn your stones into pillows. That God will turn your stones into pillows, the heavy things, the hard things, the things that keep you up at night. You'll be able to sleep through them. He'll take your stones and turn it into pillows. There are stones in this world that God can make a cornerstone. His name is Jesus. There are stones in the word of God that he uses as a foundation of his new city called heaven. They said that there is streets lined with gold. That's a stone in Jesus' name. What he was telling me about the house of God, you know, we come to the house, this is the house of God. But what he was sharing to me that the house of God is when you house God on the inside, you become the house of God. So wherever I go and show up, the house of God has just shown up because he's on the inside of us in Jesus' name. 2 Timothy 2, 1.14 says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
the treasure which he has entrusted to you. There's a treasure that God has entrusted to you. There is something Elder has that I don't have. There's something that Felicia has that I don't have. There's something that Miss Cheryl has that I don't have. There's something that Miss Jesse and, 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 and Miss Karen have that I don't have. There's something that Pastor Stevens doesn't have. There's something that Pastor Sharon has that I don't have. So sometimes we look on why and how. Pastor Sharon told me last night that in September, this church will be here 29 years. And you know what I thought about? The gates of hell will not prevail against my church in the name of Jesus. No matter what's happened, the gate of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against our church. And so 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> you got a treasure in your earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so when you get asked to do something, don't worry about it because it's the excellent in God that's going to come out, not of you. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to obey my ordinances. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. I don't know if you've ever been walking the wrong way. <laughs> I don't know if you ever went the wrong way. I don't know if you're just on a different road that you know God ain't even there. But I say God calls me to walk in your statues. My, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let the word guide you. But when it gets back to the scripture, I just share with you about Jacob. A couple things you might want to note about Jacob, and I wrote them down really quick, sitting back there. Jacob's father was named Isaac. And Isaac had a father named Abraham, I believe. Isaac had dig a well several times. I was always confused every time he would go and dig a well. And this last well he dug, there was no strife, and so he called it Rehoboth. It's in Genesis 26, 22 through 24. And I always tell people, please read your Bible. You don't got to take my word. Please read your Bible. The Lord appeared to Jacob's father and told him something very similar, if not exact, I can't remember, what he told Jacob. Isaac's father went to that same place, Beersheba. And what Holy Spirit was dealing with me is sometimes we see children and parents get all upset. And I don't have natural children yet. Hallelujah. That we see children doing all kinds of things, but parents don't really tell the child, baby, you know what? I, I've been there. And I did that too. And sometimes they just kind of cover it up like their child is just doing something so mysterious like they don't know what's happening. But a lot of stuff that Jacob did, his father also did. A lot of stuff Jacob did, his mother taught him to do it. Rebecca was his mother. Esau was his brother. Esau was hairy. He was more like an outdoorsman, right? He was more blue collar. Jacob was more, it says plain man, he was more corporate America. <laughs> He's more suit tie, right? It says Rebecca loved her son and Isaac loved Esau. So right there, there was already some distinction between who was the favorite. 
And sometimes people wonder why there's a lot of sibling rivalry, but the parents show that. A, a child can tell who a parent really like. A child can tell who a parent will really go for. My mom has three children. I'm the baby girl. <laughs> so I have two older brothers. Uh, my second older brother, and I tell her this all the time, and I really mean it, but I don't mean it in a different way because my mom has really loved us. Not the same, but to the depth that we all need it. But my second oldest brother, love, I always tell her, he loved his mama. <laughs> he loves his, when I say he loved his mama, he loved his, I love my mama. But he loved his mama, but she don't play favorites with us. She gives him what he needs. She gives my older brother what he needs. And she gives me what I need. But Rebecca loved Jacob. And when Esau was getting old and about to die, Esau, Isaac called Esau to bless him. Rebecca overheard it, and she went and found her favorite Jacob and said, come here. Your daddy's about to bless Esau, and this is what he told Esau to do. But I'm telling you to go do it first. So while people call Jacob a trickster, he learned it from his mama. He learned it from his mama, okay? And so he went and he did what his mother did. I will encourage you to read Genesis 25. Read 24, 25, 26. Just read the Bible, I'm telling you. These soap operas and, 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 and all the real reality show ain't got nothing on this Bible. You read this stuff and say, what? They did what again? <laughs> Wait a minute. So when um, Jacob came back to, you know, do what his mama told him, what he said to his mama, and this is what, um, this is Genesis 27, 11 through 12. This is what Jacob said to his mom. His mom's name is Rebecca. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. My father, per adventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall not bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And why sometimes, and again, I don't have natural children, natural children. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Sometimes parents will do anything for their child. Anything, right? But don't realize that when the parent is hurt, now the child is suffering. Because the curse is on a mother that Jacob loves. So while we want to do everything for our children, we got to look at the long-term effects. Is this really going to be a blessing for my child, or is this going to call my child to have disaster later? And so this is Jacob. And so in the process of getting his birth right, one day Esau came in. He was been outside, and you know he was you know been working hard, and you know. Jacob was chilling. He was cooking his pottage, they called it. And he's like, hey, man, give me some pottage. He was like, hmm, I'll give you some pottage if you give me your birthright. And so he was like, well, I'm going to die if I don't get nothing to eat, so let me give you my birthright. And so he did. And it says that when um, he gave Jacob his birthright, he was full of disdain. And a lot of times what's happening that you will see issues with people, but people don't tell you that they agreed to it. They didn't like it, but they still said yes. He didn't want to give his birthright, but he agreed to it, and then he was mad about it. 
That's why we can't always take sides with people. Holy Spirit told me this one time. He says, there's always three sides to a story. My side, their side, and Holy Spirit's side. I am the spirit of truth. I know even the motives why people say and do what they do. And so while we said, dang, Jacob took his brother's birthright, he didn't force him. He just said, this is your option. You can have it, and I can have this. And then his brother agreed. And so, now while his mother set him up to take his brother's birthright and told him how to go be a trickster, he did it. But it also talks in the Bible that when Rebecca got pregnant, the Bible says that there was, she had inquired of the Lord, because it's almost like she was having like some pains or something, right? And I'm, I'm abbreviating this seminate version, so please read your Bible. Um, but she was having this pain and she inquired of the Lord, what is going on with my body? And I love doctors. I know some doctors in my life that are very wise and skilled at what they do. And most of the doctors that I know now, they go to God and ask, how can I help this person outside of my knowledge? Rebecca inquired of the Lord. And so I, I would encourage all of us, before you go seek people, inquire of the Lord. And sometimes you acquire of the Lord will avoid you having to go tell people, or ask people anything. And he told her that there is uh, uh, two nations in your womb, two nations separated from their bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. The elder will serve the younger. So before Jacob even came out of his mother's belly, God had already told him what was going to be. Now, why Rebecca felt like she needed to help God out with his plan, I don't know. But it came to pass. And sometimes we want to help God out. And he already got, I think they say they call it a ram in the bush, <laughs> right? If she didn't do it, God was going to make sure that he became who God said he was. You don't got to lie. You don't got to manipulate. You don't got to trick yourself. You don't got to sell yourself. You don't got to water down yourself. God will put you where he needs to put you. I told Pastor and Pastor Sharon that this was the work of the Lord. This ain't the work of no man that you see me here today. You don't have to kiss up the people. You don't have to be in certain preach preaching circles and you don't have to be in certain denominations for God to use you. When the anointing is on you, God will call your number. God will dial you up at just the right time. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. And so, as we hear that Jacob was this trickster and all of this, and I believe his name was changed a little later. He was already destined for greatness from the beginning. You are destined for greatness from the beginning. It don't matter what's happening. It don't matter what happened. Divorce, no divorce, children, no children. In a city you want to be in, a city you don't want to be in, a church that's growing, a church that's rebuilding, it doesn't matter. You are destined for greatness at the very beginning. Some of the stuff we've learned wrong came unintentional by our parents wanting to do right by us. And so sometimes you just got to learn differently, learn in a different way. I always tell people when you're being taught wrong, you just got to get a new teaching, get a new understanding. Let the word transform your mind so you can have a different understanding. 
And what happened is when Jacob went to the same place that his daddy went to, and sometimes we can be in the same environments that our people are in, and we can get a whole different result. But when he went there, he dreamed. And the Lord revealed to him something very similar that he revealed to his fathers. He says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father's father, and the God of Isaac. And remember, at the end of this, that's when Jacob said, if you do these things, you'll be my God. He was talking to somebody who hadn't even claimed him yet. That's why it's so important we don't look at people when they're going through and they don't know the Lord because you don't know how the Lord will talk to them. And we don't know how the Lord will use them. And we don't know how the Lord will raise them up. And he says, I will give to you and your descendants the land of promise on which you align. Your descendants shall be as countless as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families in the nation of the earth shall be blessed through you and your descendants. He says, behold, I am with you. Behold, God is with you. And he will keep you. Wherever you go, wherever your children may go, wherever your grandchildren may go, God will keep them. I know a lot of times parents worry a whole lot. Anytime I travel, my mama, oh gosh, I try not to even tell her when I'm going, I just tell her when I get there because I don't want her to be like, oh my gosh. So I always tell her, mama, God got me. Even when you want to protect me, the Lord has you for your for parents. The Lord has your children. He got your grandchildren, he got your nieces, he got your nephews. He has your children. The same way he's kept you, he will keep them. I always told my mom, I said, Mom, the Lord must have loved you so much that when you wasn't around me, he sent other women into my life to pour into me and to help me when you didn't even know the stuff I was in. He will send you help from the sanctuary. And so Jacob said there must be a ladder ascending and descending. And he said that the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. I pray that we're never in God's presence and we don't even know it. I pray that we're never in the presence of God and we don't know. I pray that God is never speaking to us and we're so busy and we're so distracted and we're so upset and we're so unfocused that we don't even know that God is here. And then he says, how fearful and awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. As we house God on the inside of us, as we gather in the houses of God, may it always be the gateway to heaven. May it always be the gateway to heaven in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I know people say I'm closing and it's like 15 more closing, but I really am closing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to send an altar call. I'm going to send people to come, and I know we have ministers in the, in, in the house. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to do a corporate prayer. But if you need somebody to touch and agree with you, I believe there's somebody that can touch and agree with you in the name of Jesus. On the 26th, it was 9:27. I was leaving an um, a event. And this is what the Lord said to me, and this is my encouragement to all the ministers, all the leaders. He says, ministry can be messy. The mess you deal with does not have to be the same mess that you struggle with. Okay? Ministry can be messy. 
If you don't want to be in mess, you might want to stay out of ministry. And he says, I'm not talking about your life being messy, but ministry is messy because what you deal with is messy, but, me but messy ministry should not be your way of life. We're going to deal with people from all walks of life, but what they struggle with should not necessarily be my struggle. Jude says, hate the sin, but love the sinner. I might not agree with what you're going through right now, but I still love you. I'm talking about I had people and women in this church who pulled on seminary. You see me now, I promise you. I was not like this when I first showed up at UCC when we was on uh, uh, Oasis and then we had a church on Old Concord Road. When I used to go on Sunday mornings with Jocelyn and, and um, what was her name I just asked you about? The lady I just asked you about. Miss Flint. Miss hmm? Doris Fleming. I wasn't like this. I would just go because I said, I need the Lord. <laughs> you know, and my mama taught me, you know, call on the Lord. I didn't really know what that meant, but I said, well, let me just go because my life just right now ain't, it's just a mess. And I remember when I asked Miss Felicia about her today, I was like, how's Miss Doris? One day we was leaving out of church. It tears me up every time I think about it. We was leaving out of prayer. And she looked at me and she says, you belong in the house of the Lord. Sometimes it's not in a congregation where you're going to get the impartation that you need. Felicia been calling me preaching for longer than I ever thought about preaching. Let people speak into your life where God sees you. When I got my spiritual mother, I was in this church in, in, in Maryland when I first went, and she told me, she says, you need to get in a church that sees you in the spirit and not in the natural. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that <laughs> and she said well talk to her no it was a it was another prophet that she had connected me with it was on the phone and she says you need to pray about it I was watching Facebook one day and sometimes we think we mileage just stroll but God can use anything to speak to you anything I seen this commercial it says Will McDowell was coming to this church in Maryland I said well I like Will McDowell I want to go I went to the concert this lady got up I was in the back at the top this lady got up and she started praying. I said, who is that? I want to talk to her. <laughs> so I got the number of the church and all of that. And one night, I went once. It said they had church on Sunday night. So I was still going to my other church. I went there one Sunday night. They wasn't there. And I said, well, let me call. And I was like, well, girl, they ain't there. They ain't going to ask the phone. <laughs> you can't call them. So one Friday night, I let it go. One Friday night, I was sitting home. And I said, I want to go to that church. And I went. And it was two girls that greeted me at the door. It was a Friday night prayer. Not a whole lot of people there. Um, and I went, and the pastor, she wasn't even there. She wasn't even there that Sunday. Pastor Stevens ain't even here this Sunday, right? That's why I'm telling you the story. She wasn't even there. I remember this man, and I looked on my church website, uh, YouTube today, the same man, I hadn't seen him since then. That was probably six years ago. He's preaching at our church today. He says, y'all need to come back on Sunday. And that's the first time I heard someone say that heaven was a city. And the people are like, heaven was a city? That's what I said, read your Bible. It's in Revelation 21, read your Bible. And the lady, he told us, he says, well, it's not a lot of people come to the front. So we came up to the front. This old lady, older lady sitting right beside me. Her name is Juliana. And she's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. You know, they could tell I'm new and, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is my first time. And she's like, oh, my God, let me get your number. Where do you stay? So I'm like, oh, she's a nice mother. I told her. He said, well, you have to come back Sunday. He says, you got to come and listen to part two. And I said, well, I can't because I go to another church. 
She says, no, you got to come. She called me that Saturday. <laughs> she says, you got to come. She said, we're having a, a conference. You need to come. She bought me a T-shirt. She met me um, at the store close to where I live. And I came back that Sunday. I wrestled all Saturday, like, what am I going to tell these people? Like, I'm serving. What am I going to do? And I went. And I've been there ever since. And for weeks when I went, my pastor, she wasn't even there. She was out, like, doing mission. So I never even saw her for weeks. But I know the word of God was being preached. And that's why it behooves people that they don't show up when their senior pastor or the head pastor is not at church because you don't know who God can use. And you don't know the word that God will give somebody for your very situation. And so while City Church North Lake is not my church, my home church right now, <laughs> right now, I'm a product of this church. It's good ground. It's grown, it's kind of decreased, but the word of God goes out. The word of God goes out. And so if you're watching online, you're here in the sanctuary, and you're like, maybe I should consider. Consider this place. See, a lot of times people have said the anointing is not the reason why some people don't fool with others, but God told me it's really character. It's people's attitudes, it's people's ways. And people have character defects that can be masked as the anointing, but we have to stay in God's face so God can transform us to be like him. My fear is not that, you know, people will accept me or not accept me. My fear is that I will preach to you guys and myself be a castaway. That's why we need Jacob's ladder. The Bible says that he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven and coming to the earth. My prayer has been to the Lord once I got to understand, Father, bring your ladder down to me. I don't want to be carnal. I don't want to be lukewarm. Help me climb this ladder so I can come to your standard. Because there's too many people who have lowered the standard of God. And that's why people don't come to church no more. And that's why a lot of people don't believe in pastors no more. Because you feel like you can lower the standard and people are looking for holiness. Holiness is still right. That's why I said, let me get me a safety pin and put on my girdle and wear my slip sometime because you still got to be modest. When we was in the small group with Sister Felicia and Mother Beverly, I remember she gave a scripture one day and I never forgot. It's the first time I ever heard it. It's Titus 2. The older women still can teach the younger women. As a 41 young woman, I still need the older women. We not exempt from being corrected. We not exempt for, for, for being convicted and being instructed to live God's standard. The older men still teach the younger men. I know we may be more technologically savvy, but it still don't mean we got more wisdom. See, right now we've all been children before, but we ain't all been 60, and we ain't all been 50, and we ain't all been 40, and we ain't all been 30. So there's something that somebody can teach us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the scripture I was trying to get to, 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13, the message version. It says, then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Yes, well, there's the runt. For those of you who may have had a whole bunch of things spoken to you, about you, against you, 
no matter what people say. When God has called you, God has called you. When God is going to use you, God is going to use you. Well, yes, there's the runt. Now, this is the father, but he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's there. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can take your spot. When it's time for God to use you, God will use you. It doesn't matter how many people in front of you, God will use you. I am convinced there are many, many ministers in this church and in this city that Pastor Stevens could have called. I'm convinced. Jesse sent for him. He was bought in in the very picture of health, bright eyed, good looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. Remember I read the scripture, he said, I'm going to put you on your feet for good. Not only will he put you on your feet for good, but now he's going to anoint you. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brother standing around watching him. Elder said that you should be happy about the table because he fixes it in the presence of your enemies. All your brothers will see. All your sisters will see. All your cousins will see. All your family will see. All your friends will see. Maybe the church you left will see. But again, it's not about to preach on people. It's about to show what God has done. And for him to get the glory in Jesus' name. And it says, the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. May the Spirit of God enter you like a rush of wind today. It says, God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life. Samuel left and went home to Ramah. I truly believe, and I'm not saying this because he bought me here, but I truly believe that Pastor Stevens has been anointed for the rest of his life. That's why they can go through whatever they go through and they're yet still standing. Because God has anointed him and his wife for the rest of their life. And the Bible says whatever is on the priest, it runs down. So if we under leadership that God has anointed and empowered for the rest of their life, so are you anointed and empowered for the rest of your life. And your children will be empowered for the rest of their life. And your grandchildren will be empowered for the rest of their lives. In the name of Jesus. And with that anointing, it should be proof that we've been with God. Not proof we've been to church. Not proof that we in a leadership position. Not proof that we do praise and worship. Not proof that we intercessors. Not proof that we are armor bearers. Not proof that we can preach the word. But we have proof that we've been with God. May we have proof that we've been with God. That we leave out and say, I met with God today. That I met with God today. I heard a word from the preacher. I heard a word from the teacher. I heard a word from my pastor. And I met with God today that's the encounters we need that we meet with God not with people it, it's good to come corporately but let's meet with God and let the meeting stand start at our houses so truly when somebody comes up here and say I was glad when they said unto me let us come into the house of the Lord 
that we really are excited to not only come into this house, but bring what I already have and started at my house, and I come in here, and there will be a combustion of praise and worship because your prayer at your house done met my prayer at my house, and your prayer at my house done met my prayer at your house, and your praise is meeting my praise, and now we can praise the Lord together in the name of Jesus. Revelations 21, and this is the last scripture I'm going to read, and then we're going to pray. And I'm going to read the whole thing. And it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So that's why when he said that heaven is a city, people are like, what? I said, well, let me go find out what you mean. It says, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the whole holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Elder says that God is coming back for a church without a spot or wrinkle. So we got to be in this body that he's coming back for, in this church that he's coming back for. Some people call it the ecclesia. You know, sometimes people will preach stuff and try to, tell, try to share everything that they've learned and known to sound like they're so wonderful, and it don't even go with the message. And you're like, why you tell me that? <laughs> I just thought of a cliche to tell y'all that, but I'm telling you, people do that. You just be like, bruh. <laughs> you know, kids say, bruh. And I be like, I'm not even a man. What? But okay. And one John, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. You know, people say, like, when people are desperate for a man, usually women or maybe men, they say, You're thirsty. There is a life giving fountain in Jesus that we won't be thirsty and desperate because everything we need is in him. Seven says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. He should be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And while we don't want to scare people with hell, I believe hell is a real place. The Bible says there's gnashing of teeth there. And sadly, it says it enlarges itself every day. It enlarges every day. May we be people who witness to people for real. May we be people who share our story for real. Even when we don't like it, that we please God. Because we don't know the people that we love when they pass away. We don't really know if they make heaven or if they make hell. And then sometimes we have a good idea. And unless God tells you and you get that resolve in your spirit, but may we be a church, people, not just this church, but the church, really going to share the goodness of God 
asking people, hey, do you want to be saved? Do you, do you want to be redeemed? Because the Bible says he's married to the backslider. I always say if, if the people that used to be saved come back to the church, I mean, we have overflow in every church because there's a lot of people that used to be saved, but now they're doing something else. If we just witness to the people that used to be saved and they come back, whew. And it says, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious. And this is what he was explaining to me when I started reading this yesterday about he's turning your stones into pillars, into pillows. Some stones that you think are hard, it will be the thing that God will use to bless you. The things that were difficult are the things that God will use that you will say, thank you, Lord. I told you that my, my pastor said, Simone, speak about a God that you know. Don't preach about something you heard somebody tell you, but speak about a God that you know. I'm a witness that God will turn your stones into pillows. And not only will he turn my stones into pillows, but everything that concerns me. When Jocelyn was praying for me back then, she was praying stuff, and I'm like, well, only Holy Spirit could tell her that. Last January, my grandma passed away. I never saw my mom cry. I know she cried with her husband. I know she wept with him. In March, he just suddenly passed away. My mama broke down. And it broke me and my brothers all the way down. And right now, both of my brothers are going through chemo treatment. And I say, God, you will have to uphold my family. I need you to turn this stone into a pillar. And that's when I start praying, Nahum 1 and 9, this affliction will not rise up against my family a second time. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. God still gets the final say. Whatever is hard, God can fix. Whatever is wrong, God can fix. In Psalms 121, 2 through 5 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip. He, will, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel would never slumber nor sleep. The, the Lord who watches over you, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. And so my first appeal is those of you who may not even know the Lord as your own Savior, because I don't ever want to take it for granted that everybody does. And then those who may have been saved, but maybe you backslider and the Bible says that he's married to the backslider and what I understand about altar calls and all those things that I get an understanding from the Lord is it's not that people call you up so they can count numbers and say hey doc we had 15 people get saved today that ain't it the Bible says that the whole host of heaven rejoices when one sinner gets saved I didn't even come to a church. I got on my knees when I lived in Greensboro, North Carolina, and say, Father, you got to come and help me. That's how I got saved. 
When people come to the front, it's so other brothers and sisters can say, okay, that's somebody I know I now need to start praying for. Okay, that's somebody now I can start calling and checking on. And when I see them come in church, you know, I want to hug them. I want to love on them. So it's not for a show of people because sometimes people get a little embarrassed about it. You don't got to be embarrassed. You don't even got to come up here. You just accept him in your heart. And I promise you, he will elevate you. He will move. He will help you. And some people say, oh, well, it's just a prayer. Prayer changes everything. One conversation can save your life. While one conversation can make you doubt everything that God said. May you have the conversation that will change your life. That God will come into your heart and save you. God will come into your heart and lift you. God will come into your heart and change and transform you. And the Bible says you got to count the cost. I'm going to tell you, I lost a whole lot in my sinful, ugly, dirty state, and I'm so happy. I didn't like it when I was going through. But now when you see what God is doing on the other side of that storm, you see, I can see a little clear now. And so there's a cost you will have to give up. But I promise you, it, the price of it whew, is eternal life, and it's, it's good when you can be in right standings with God. There's a scripture in John 10, I believe, and I'll paraphrase. It talks about there are people that are not of this fold that God has to go and get that's going to be of his fold. And so it may be people that's doing all kinds of things in different religions and, you know, serving other things, but God has to go and get them. And I believe it's John 10, 16, it says, those who call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you're online, you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You can be in your car, you can be in your kitchen, you can be in your living room like I was. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved in the name of Jesus. I'm indeed finished. I'm going to pray. Man of God, if you want to play, by all means you can. On June 23rd, the Lord gave me this word and I released it to my church. And he says the standard of God is coming back to the church. That he has to wash the body of Christ clean. That the standard of Christ is coming back to his church. But he has to wash the body clean. And if you've ever been cleaning up and, and you move stuff around, you, you think you got it clean, then you go straighten something up and you see some more dirt. The more we clean, the more we're going to have to keep cleaning up. And that's why I say ministry is messy, but the mess don't got to get into us. The standard of God is coming back to the church. And Mark 7, 6-9 says this. He answered and said unto them, Well have Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites. As it's written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. May we not sit up under the commandments and the doctrine of men. But when we leave out of service, may we know that we have been with God in the name of Jesus. It says, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the traditions of men as a washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. But God told me that the standard of Christ is coming back to the church 
And I believe that it's already started where he's cleaning and washing. And you know, when you clean and wash them, it don't mean that you throw it away. When you clean and wash it, it don't mean you get rid of it. It means you cleaning and you washing it is what it means. And so if those of you who want to be saved, you want to join this church, because I'm not a member here, I'm not a pastor here, but it's good ground. I'm fruit of what happened at this church. I'm fruit under the teachings of Pastor Sharon and Pastor Michael Stevens. I'm fruit of being connected to a small group. I'm fruit of reading my own Bible. I'm fruit of coming to Saturday morning prayers. I'm a fruit of that. I'm a fruit of the Lord. And so my prayer today is that God will help us be all that he called us to be. And that we receive the anointing for the rest of our lives. Not just for the day, but for the rest of our lives. That God will anoint our feet. He will allow our feet to walk circumspectly, not as fools. But he will help us in the name of Jesus.